Praise the Lord. <clears throat> what a, it's an old song that um, brings back a lot of memories, a lot of services that we thought the Lord was going to come real soon, and I still believe he's going to come very soon. Amen. When you look at the signs and the things that are going on in the world, it's, it's easy to recognize that um, that you know the Lord is the Lord is soon to come this what is a daysman and I, I said it was written in the oldest book and I know <clears throat> when you look at the Bible you can look and see Genesis and say well that's the oldest book because it starts at creation but really we believe that Genesis was written by, Moses, because he goes all the way through uh, up until <clears throat> Joseph coming down into Egypt and traces the history. Then, of course, Exodus, the next book, the exit from Egypt. And then, of course, uh, Leviticus and Numbers, the law, and uh, then the travels and Numbers out of the land of Egypt in the wilderness, and then Deuteronomy, the last book that Moses wrote, sort of the retelling of the law to the children. But the oldest book <clears throat> that is often referred to as the oldest book in the Bible does not refer to the law, does not refer to the trip out of Egypt, doesn't refer to any of that. And we know very little. We know that there was, when we read it, there's very little understanding of um, the tabernacle. There's no understanding of some of that. Obviously, it was written after uh, Noah's time, no doubt, and uh, <clears throat> at uh, some point, and yet some even speculate it was written before Noah. <clears throat> that could have been uh, part of a righteous family or seed. But uh, everybody knows here tonight what book I'm talking about, and that's the book of Job. And it is considered older than the law. And it's a story about a man, and we all know the story of Job, about a man who suffered uh, a tremendous amount of loss, a man who suffered a great deal of shame and humiliation, who had children that were not doing well, they were not living right, they were not living according to what the standard of righteousness was. And then Job was pounded, if you will, by the enemy who had basically challenged God by saying, if you will remove your hand of protection from him, then he will curse you. And you know the story. Job was suffered these tremendous losses uh, catastrophically. In, in one day, there was one report after another of the loss of property, the loss of servants, the loss of wealth, and um, the loss of his own children. All 10 of them perished. 
And um, then it was um, shortly thereafter that even his wife uh, looked at him and basically said, curse God and die because you, this God has not treated you correctly. We know very little else about Job, as I said, other than then Job was afflicted with horrific, painful, <clears throat> debilitating disease, even to the point of grotesquely uh, being plagued with skin worms uh, that uh, were in his body and uh, extremely excruciating uh, and uh, where that plague would have come from, I, I don't know. And Job had wonderful friends who basically started coming to see him and telling him, Job, you've done something wrong. Obviously, there is something going on that you have done and you are not, you're guilty. And you can say you're not guilty, but you are guilty. And Job starts in and he uses this word, daysman. He uses the word daysman. And he does it in the ninth chapter. It means mediator. It means one that can come between two entities, one that is able to stand in the gap. And if you read it in Job, the ninth chapter, starting at the first couple of verses, Job, it says, then Job answered, and this was after one of his friends had basically uh, lovingly, I guess, maybe not so lovingly, uh, excoriated him and, and beat him up verbally, told him how rotten he was, how wrong he was, and that basically he can't blame God. And Job's response was, I know it so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? And then if you kept reading, I didn't put all the verses in the ninth chapter, but in, in Job will, he, 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 he recognizes, he says in this ninth chapter, I have no standing with God. I know I'm not justified. I know I can't pretend. And, and he, he even talks about positive thoughts. He even says, I know that I can't just go, oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing great. And then clap my hands and it go away. I'm still diseased. I've still lost my kids. I've lost all my money. I, I don't have little happy Prozac spiritual, Wee, oh yeah, God is so good. That's what Job says. You read it in this ninth chapter. Then he gets down to the 32nd verse and he wraps up his thinking by saying, he is not a man talking about God as I am, that I should answer him 
and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any, and he uses that word, daysman. There is no daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. And then he has a powerful verse in 34 and 35 when he says, let him take his rod away from me. Let not his fear terrify me. What he was saying is, I'm scared to death of God. I, I know I can't, I can shake my fist and say, well, God, why did you? But I'm scared of God. I want to shake my fist. Now, I know we've never had these feelings personally, but I'm talking about Job. He didn't have the Bible, but he, he was very candid. He said, then would I speak and not fear him. He said, I, I know better than to mouth off to God because I know God's bigger than I am. You know, and I know a lot of what we see in our world today is very little fear of God. They will say anything about anyone and blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm going to live the way I want and I just dare somebody. I just challenge you. There's no fear of authority. There's no fear. And I'm not, I'm just telling you what, you know, I don't, I don't want, I, I have candy in my office. I don't want the kids to be afraid of coming to see pastor. They love to come see me because they've raided my candy drawer. But I'm not talking about fear of, oh, God. But unfortunately, we see very few people that have respect for anybody. Think about it, yes. This hour. I don't respect president. I don't respect... You say, well, have you seen the way he acts? He, how can anybody respect? I don't respect the office. I don't respect political figures. I don't respect, and, and I know, I mean, I, I too, I, I shake my head when some of these people that, you know, may make a lot of money in Hollywood and think they can tell me how I should live and act and do and it's hard to respect them. I get it. But we're living in an hour with no respect for the preacher, the church, you know, and I've I'm I, I'm I guess old school that I long as I'm able, I'll try to stand up if I shake hands with a woman, I mean just out of honor. You know, out of respect. But Job was saying, I would speak and not fear him, but I, I respect God too much. And, and basically, when you read those verses, what he is saying is, the only thing I can do is plead for mercy because I have no standing with God. I, I, he knows, you know, he, he, Job knows he's not justified. He knows that 
he can't cleanse himself. He even uses the phrase in this ninth chapter, which is very poetic. He said, even if I washed in snow water, in other words, so clean, as clean as snow, and if I washed in snow water, I wouldn't be clean enough to be in front of God. But he says, I need a daysman. Now, for all of us that are here tonight, that Wednesday night Bible study, we've gone through Bible studies and we know what Jesus basically said, the New Testament, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. What Jesus was basically saying is, as you keep reading, because Philip didn't understand, he says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be okay. And Jesus, it sufficeth us. It's, it'll satisfy us. Jesus said, have I been so long with you? And yet thou hast not known me, Philip. He that has seen me, what? Seen, seen the Father. And how does thou sayest, show us the Father? Now we know John wrote first chapter, and in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. Verse 14, the Word was made flesh. We can quote that. And Paul recognized when he was on the road to Damascus and the bright light knocked him down, the bright light from heaven, and Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And the voice basically said what? I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. Now, Paul did not actually persecute Jesus, but he was persecuting the church. And so what Jesus was doing was identifying with his believers. So Paul got this understanding that Jesus was the daysman, the mediator between God and man. Now that doesn't make him a separate God, but God was manifest in the flesh to be the man Christ Jesus was the mediator. You understand? Was the daysman, the thing that Job had longed for. Oh, that there were a daysman. Well, basically, Jesus Christ became that. And you can read Ephesians, third, second chapter. And, and I didn't even put all the verses because it's, there's so many. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh. How? By the blood of Christ. So in other words, we who were not a people can now have access to God through Jesus. This is why it's so important that we're baptized in Jesus' name. Why it's so important that we take on that name in the waters of baptism. Because it's what Paul was saying is, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, 
and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the division, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain, what? One new man. So the daysman, the mediator, grabs us, grabs God, and brings it together. Grabs the Jews, grabs the Gentiles, brings it together. So making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him, through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So when we sing, and I know people have accused us, oh, you're Jesus only, you don't believe in the Father. You no, it's not true. We, we are not... Uh, we believe in the Father, we believe in God, and we believe in the Holy Ghost. But what we believe is that it's all through Jesus, that that was the doorway. As he said, as Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheepfold. I am the way. I am the truth. And so we realize that it's all in him. And Paul wrote to Timothy, there is how many gods? One God and one what? Mediator. Between God and man. One daysman. What was it? The man, Christ Jesus. He's very specific that this was not, you know, you know, people will say, well, was he human? Yes. Was he also God manifest in the flesh? Yes. But in his humanity, he became the mediator who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, uh, most scholars believe that Hebrews was actually written by Paul to uh, those that were priests, uh, Jewish uh, theologians that were of the tribe of, of uh, Levi who were priests there that he wrote to them in the book of Hebrews because uh, if it wasn't to the priests, it was to people who were well-versed in the law and the Jewish believers because it goes through a lot of, of these uh, examples that had to do with the Old Testament priesthood. Hebrews the 8th chapter, the 6th verse says, but now hath he, being Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the daysman of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Goes on in the ninth chapter, starting at verse 11. And I left verses out, but 
It says, but Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come. And the reason he's calling him a high priest, because what was the high priest to be? A daysman for the people. Remember? It was the high priest that went in to the Holy of Holies once a year with the blood, asking to push the sins forward. It was the high priest that carried, if you will, all the sins of the people on his back. And he went into the presence of God and he said, Lord, forgive us. And so these Jews knew what the high priest was supposed to do. The high priest acted as a daysman. And if there was sin in his life, what happened? Dead. He would be killed because he was going in there as reaching to God. You see what I'm saying? And so Paul is telling them, he said, but Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. He goes on to say, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the daysman, the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. He goes on, verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God 
for us. Wow. He's a daysman. He goes into the presence of God for us. Then he says, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered in the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You can read the ninth chapter, the 10th chapter, the 11th chapter, faith chapter, the 12th chapter. Talks about you are now coming to Mount Zion, to the city of a living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the daysman of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, how many believe that Jesus was the mediator? Okay. How many are thankful that because he went in, we have access into the presence of God? How many know that I could not have access to God if it were not through the blood of Jesus? Okay? One more, and then I'm going to just challenge us all this Christmas season. One more verse. It's a couple, two verses, but it's in Galatians. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now Paul is very specific here. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. So Jesus is not, the man Christ Jesus is not a separate God. It was one God manifest in the flesh, but that flesh had to come to be the mediator. The blood to reach into the presence of God and then to be tempted in all points like we are, and yet without sin. How many are glad you know that and believe that? Now, John, the beloved, who wrote about this one God, he also wrote about another subject, about loving one another. And that's always been hard for all of us to say, you know, especially in the holidays, some people are unlovable. Uncle Floyd and Cousin Boudreaux, and they just, they get on your nerves and they come by the house and they just eat too much. And 
Let me show you what John said. Fourth chapter. Beloved, let us love one another. For what? Love is of God. And everyone that loveth is what? Born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not doesn't know God. For God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That means that we might be a daysman. I mean that he might be a daysman for us. You see? Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what? We ought to love one another. And then he says something very strange. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of what? His spirit. Excuse me. So what are you saying, Pastor? This next few weeks, more than ever before, we're supposed to be the daysmen for people that don't know God. Is that easy? <laughs> no. Is it always easy to grab God on one hand and try to be kind and sweet and loving to somebody on this hand? And yet, what John said is nobody has seen God, the only God Basically, some folks will see is, guess who? What a time for the church to say, you know what? I am so thankful that I know the daysman. I know the mediator. I know the guy that reached across and grabbed a hold of God and grabbed a hold of me, pulled me out, filled me with his spirit, let me be baptized in his name. What a privilege. Now, I have to then decide who can I try to reach for? Who can I try to show the love of God? Who can I be kind to? Who can I? 
Oh, with the traffic and with the hustle and bustle and with people going. Ah. No man has seen God, but there is a spirit of a mediator that should be on us. The daysman spirit. <laughs> That's what Job basically said. Is there a daysman? Is there somebody that can stand in the gap, that can touch God for him, that will reach out, that will do his best to pray for him? And I know we, we have a prayer list and we can click it and put people on the prayer list, and send out. But, <clears throat> you know, we talk about Christ being born in a stable and in a manger long ago, and I, I, it's a wonderful thing, but he did all of that. He went through all of that so that I would be able to have access into the presence of God. And, and when you think of all that he did, and, you know, here we are trying to say, Lord, I want to be a daysman. I, and that's my prayer for, for myself. You don't have to pray that. But I want to somehow be a mediator. And, and you know, a peacemaker, if you will, someone that, reaches out, and I, I know people can be offended, people can be angry, people can be hurt, and people can get mad at Cousin Boudreaux, and Uncle Irwin, or whatever his name is. And somebody's gonna have to be the one to say, you know what, hadn't the Lord been good to us all? I'm glad I know the Prince of Peace. Glad I know the Peacemaker. I'm glad I know. Why? Why are you doing that, Pastor? Because one day, unlike Job, I met the daysman. I met the mediator. I was buried in his name. So how could I not be willing to try to be a mediator Oh, you say, well, is there anybody that can help them? I, I, you know, there are so many folks, and I know this time of year that people are hurt, they're mad, they're angry, life didn't happen the way they wanted, and things haven't gone the way they wanted, and they didn't get what they wanted, they got coal and switches instead of, you know, new truck and a new toys. And, and, Somebody's got to stand in the gap. I'm praying for all of us that are here and watching. Lord, let us be a daysman, okay? Let us be a daysman. Let's stand.